Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Based on some life experience and even what I have been learning currently, I decided to title this message, God is Smarter Than You. Somehow, we think that we know better than God at times. Somehow, we think that God's missed it, or we have the answers, so we don't need God in this situation. Somehow, we think that we have better timing than God's timing in our relationships and beyond. Overall, I want to remind you that God is smarter than you. I'm not really sure how we come to this conclusion. Sometimes it's um, not even a decision we know we've made until we've made a decision without God and it doesn't work out and we want to blame him for it. But I think a lot of times we get into a situation and we think, well, I've got this. I don't need God. But he created our brain. So if someone created your brain, they probably have an up on you when it comes to your thought process. (laughs) The Bible says his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, and we know that, but we don't sow that into our life so we don't see the fruit of it. And, you know, God created you and he knows the plan that he has for your life. So when we make our own plans and we exempt him from it and we don't involve him, we are the one that misses out. And I don't know if you've ever been here before, but I've found myself in situations where I've done what I've wanted, and then when it didn't work out, I was like, God, why? (laughs) God, why did you let this happen? God, why um, did this person that I was a friend with, or person that, that I was dating, or a person that I was married, why did they do this? And you can't control what other people do, but you can control the decisions that you make, and you can control who you're aligned with. And I think it's a lot easier to go through life because has anyone ever been in any kind of relational scenario, friend, dating, married, whatever, and it's hard? Has anyone ever been there? If you've been in any kind of relationship, you should know by now it's not easy. Like, uh, I run the internship college at Elevate Life, and a lot of the conversations that I have Uh, with girls and inevitably with guys at times (laughs) is they want to be in a relationship or they want to eventually find that person which I think we all have that in us because God created us to be fruitful and multiply it's like a thing in the Bible but we have this drive that we want to be with somebody right we want to be with somebody who thinks that we're the most special and we think that they're the most special but yet sometimes we want it so bad that we take away God's timing and God's purposes and God's process and we usurp or go through into our own process and our own choices and then we question God for it. Some of us even maybe have walked away from God for things like that. And the number one relationship that we need to be focused on is our relationship with God. And you know, something that I learned, and when I say I've learned it, it doesn't mean that I've mastered it or I'm learning it. It means like I started this learning process at this certain time and I'm still in it. So I started learning this when I was in college because I um, had been single 
at this point in college for about four years, and I was like, all my friends were like going on dates and getting engaged, and I was not. And I was like, do I look like an ogre, or am I too good for everybody? <laughs> like, it's like one or the other, I don't know. I couldn't figure it out, and I, I focused on that it was the latter, that I was like an ogre. Um, but I think for me, when I was in that scenario, I started talking to God about it instead of like putting myself too out there for people I shouldn't be with. And God actually spoke to me and he said, you're so hungry for love, but if you don't know me, you're never going to know love because I am love. And if you read the Bible, it talks a lot about how God is love. And if you don't know love, you don't know God. And so many of us crave love, but we don't even know what love is because we don't know God. And therefore, we go through our relationships and we go through our life frustrated, upset, and hurt, and we blame God for it. But the first issue is we don't have a right relationship with God. So how are you ever supposed to recognize if somebody else loves you or how to love somebody else if you don't learn love from love? So I've started learning that in college, and I've continued to learn it because I haven't mastered it. But I know that I cannot love somebody else and I cannot be loved by somebody else until I understand this with God. Because he's the creator of love. He's given me the desire to be loved. So I have to go to him for that first. And so, you know, Pastor Keith was saying something actually this weekend, or yeah, this weekend that challenged my thought process. I couldn't remember if it was the weekend before, but it was one of the weekends. And it challenged my thought process because he said, always make your decisions based on your values. And some of you guys might go, well, I don't know what I value. And that's okay. You might still be figuring th that part of your life out. But the number one thing that you should value is God. So if you don't know what else you value, tonight we're at least going to start talking about valuing God and what that looks like. So... If you don't know what to value, let's start by valuing God. You may think you do, and I would say if I talked to most of you guys in this room, you would say, yeah, I value God. I'm, I mean, I'm at church. Like everyone else that's not here isn't here, and I chose to be here. I value God. And we think that we do because we come to church sometimes, or even we pray sometimes, or maybe you even serve at a church but when it comes to a person that you like or you want to be friends with or you're dating, when it comes to that, somehow we want this. And I don't know about you, but like whenever I dreamed of being with my husband one day, I wanted it to be like the absolute best. And I wanted it to be the most perfect, not like the third choice or like, I guess I'll be okay with this. Like I wanted it to be the best that I could ever imagine. And we want the best that we can imagine from God, and yet we settle for the least we can get in relationships, and then we want God to work with it and make it our dream, and we get upset with God when it blows up in our face. And I've been there multiple times in my life where I thought, well, like after I was married the first time, I thought, well, I did it this way. I was you know, I didn't date for six and a half years, and then I started dating this guy that I'd known since I was 11, and he was nine, and he grew up in the church, and we were, like, did it, like, all the church Christian right way, right? Like, we were in the church and stuff, and that didn't work out, and so I thought, 
And this is me being real with you. I thought, I've never dated before. Like, I've never gone out and, and dated. And so I want to see what that's like. Uh, let me tell you the results that I found. They were not good. <laughs> and I regret even spending three months of my life trying to date. And that's the truth. I mean, I'm like a couple weeks away from being 30. And all I'll tell you is the older you get, the smaller the pool gets. And in the pool, you get a lot of dysfunction because there's a reason why people are single when they're older. So either it's you haven't worked through your own stuff or you haven't matured or various things. And if you're single, hey, I was single too, like a year and a half ago, like two years ago, I was like single. So I was there at this age range too. And what I'll tell you is while I went through a situation that I couldn't help, I had a lot of things that I needed to work through. And I think sometimes we so want to be with this person, but we're not focusing on being the right person to receive that person. And then we get frustrated because we're like, well, why isn't this person coming along? Like, I sent this um, gift to one of my friends, and it said, when the preacher asks for all the single people to come down to the altar, because he's going to pray for them to find their mate. And it's like these people stumbling down this field, rolling down these hills and they're like falling all over themselves because we want to be prayed for that we're going to find our spouse but we we don't want to believe for ourselves to become the right person to receive the spouse that God has for us so we're prolonging our process and we're frustrated at God but the issue is us I love that God waited for me to meet my husband until I was in my latter 20s because even though I have a long way to go I'm a much better wife than when I was 24 And like I said, I went through a situation I didn't have control over, but maybe instead of looking at it as a negative, maybe God's preparing you so that you can be at that point at your best instead of exposing all your worst and it not working out because you didn't put in the work yet. But so many of us force ourselves into these relationships and we justify. And I learned this um, lesson, and when I say I learned it, I actually really did learn this one. It was no longer, I'm still learning it. I learned that if in a relationship or a friendship I'm having to justify anything to stay in a relationship with that person, it's not from God for me. And some of you guys heard that and you're like, whatever, no, I don't do that. Okay, let me give you an example. If your friends are like, hey, what's up with them? Why do they do this? Or why do they do that to you? Or that's not right. You're like, oh, they're just going through a hard season. Oh, they're just going through a hard time. Oh, you don't know what they've been through. Oh, like, let me just tell you, that was just a bad day for them. If you're constantly having to make excuses for somebody, that's not a friend that God has for you in your life. And that's definitely not the person that God wants you to be in a relationship with. And I'm not saying that we're going to be with, like, perfect people because you're not perfect either. But... And neither am I. But here's the thing. You shouldn't have to justify why you're going to stay with somebody or why you're going to stay in a relationship with somebody or why you're going to stay friends with somebody because God wants you to have the best and everybody has a choice in what they do with their life. And if someone doesn't value what you value, it's very easy to choose should I be in alignment with them. So one of the things Pastor Keith said that was actually shocking to me, like it was shocking, is that he said, I value my values more than I value my wife. And I like, kind of was hurt by that because I was like, that's my mom. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> but what he said after that was so profound. He said, because I value my values more than I value her, she can trust me. Because no matter what we go through, no matter the seasons that we're in, she knows what I value is more important 
than anything else. Because if you value somebody else in a friendship or a relationship above God, above what's important to you, that can change. Like that person can be valuable to you today, but if they make you mad, you'll find someone else that's more valuable. So you have to, your values should be more important than any person. So many of us are looking for somebody to complete us, but your completion comes from you and God, and you'll never make a half hole when your wholeness comes from God, and it's supposed to be two holes meeting, not a half and a half makes a hole. Because a marriage, if you don't know this already, or even in a relationship, if you've been in a relationship, a relationship doesn't work out if it's 50-50. That's a crappy relationship. A relationship is only good when it's 100-100. And that doesn't mean that you are always a perfect 100, but that is your intention and that's what you fight for, is to be at 100 and that's their intention. That's why you can trust them. Because they want to be excellent. They want to love you well. They want to do the right thing. And what I'll tell you is, um, I haven't even freaking gotten to my points, but obviously God wants us to hear this. But one thing I'll tell you is if something's happening in a dating relationship, don't fool yourself and think that it won't happen in your marriage. If a guy or a girl's cheated on you and you're dating them, it will happen in your marriage because that's a character issue. That has nothing to do with, well, we were just dating. No, if they value relationship like that at a dating level, what's going to change it when you're married? You should act and live like you're in a covenant before you're ever in a covenant so that when you're in a covenant, you already know how to act. It's not like you get to be crazy when you date and then all of a sudden you're like pure when you're married. So if you're the kind of guy or girl that likes to taste test things, just know that's not going to stop when you're married, and you should never get with somebody who's lived that way. Those were all side notes. Okay, so <laughs> what is the definition of trust? Trust is the belief that someone or something is reliable, good, honest, or effective. I'm sure you've heard messages, sermons, seen quotes, heard songs, I don't know, that talk about trusting or having faith. And the Bible is filled with passages about trusting God. And while we may think that we trust God, our actions many times don't reflect that. So why is trusting God so hard? It's because it doesn't come naturally. I don't know if you've ever realized that, but like, you can be like someone who wants to be a really great Christian and still have a hard time trusting God because you're still flesh. You're flesh and spirit. So your spirit's always at battle with the flesh. So there's this constant pull that you want to trust God, you want to have faith, but there's this doubt that kind of, can I, can I trust him? Can I trust that this is going to work out? Trusting God goes against our reasoning and it goes against our comfort. So if you for like any point in your life think that trusting God's going to feel comfortable, you're wrong. Because trusting God wouldn't be trusting God if it didn't cost you something. Can you trust God even when it doesn't make sense? Because that is what faith is. Faith is to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. You know, if you look at stories in the Old Testament through the New Testament, you'll find people that do some crazy things. If we were thinking about like, hey, you should go build a boat and commit your entire life to it, but it's never rained since you've been alive. That makes sense. A flood's coming, you're crazy. But God told Noah to build a boat. Yeah. Maybe you've seen the movie with, what's his name in it? What is that movie? Evan Almighty. Evan Almighty. It is not the actual biblical version, but it's funny. 
But what I'll tell you is there's so many people that God asked them to do things that looked crazy to man, but God was just waiting for that person to trust him so that he could do a miracle. Many times people forfeit God's blessing because of their lack of trust. At times, our faith, like I said, can be big enough to show up to church or to pray sometimes, but when it comes to your personal decisions in life, you think that you better leave God out of that part. And then when things go wrong, we get upset with God, but he wasn't involved in the first place, so now how is it his fault that you followed a map of your emotions and judgment instead of following him? Our journey requires that we keep our eyes focused on God even when it doesn't make sense. And I'm saying our journey requires because if you want to have a great life and if you want to have the right alignments and you want to have great relationships, you're going to have to trust God over what you feel like or over what you see. We have the hardest time trusting God in relationships. And if you've never been in a relationship, you still are probably having a hard time trusting God. And I'm not sure why, but it's true for all of us. Whether it's a friendship or a relationship, we justify what we want instead of following God. And it's the biggest way the enemy tries to tempt us. We can see it from the beginning of the Bible, through Adam and Eve and all the way down. Relationships mess people up. Like, the way that we do relationships without God does not work. And if for some reason you think you're going to have a good marriage or a good relationship or a good friendship and it not be founded on God, I'm sorry, friend, you are mistaken. Because we are flawed humans and left to our own self, we are at our core not pure. And we will fail. And without God, what's the future look like after you fail and you fail and you fail? With God, when we fail, we can get up and get stronger because in our weakness, his power is made perfect. But without God, you're just a failure and a wreck. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious of the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's because the tree's foundation, the tree's sustenance, doesn't come from natural things. And it's the same way in our life. If we're supposed to be a tree, okay, and we trust in God, we know that the way that the climate looks like in the world, the way that, that the pool, the dating pool looks like in our church or around us, no matter what things look like, we know that God's a provider. And we're not fearful because we know the character of God. So when you know the character of God and you trust God, no matter what it looks like, even if you've gotten broken up with, even if you've been cheated on, even if you haven't done things the right way leading up to now, you can trust that God's going to be faithful to you. When you choose to turn to him, when you choose to trust him, when you choose to go, hey, God, maybe I haven't done everything right. Maybe I've messed up. Maybe I haven't been my best or maybe I didn't even know I wasn't being my best, but I want your way and I want to value you. Guess what he does? It says in the Bible, when you even come to him and you repent, which means you just turn from your way, right? He goes, okay, let's start fresh. I want that kind of God that I can come to him and just go, okay, like sincerely, God, like I don't want to be this way. And he goes, okay, great. Let's start over. It's not like hanging things over your head. Well, remember that time in eighth grade when you decided to like, remember that time in college? Like, it's not like that with God. We do that to ourselves, (laughs) And we disqualify ourselves, but God's looking for reasons to qualify you, not disqualify you. He's not looking for ways to say, well, I'm not going to give that to you. He's waiting for you to take any step towards him so that he can bless you. That's the kind of God we have. And if you felt anything else in church, let me tell you, 
That is not God. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. And he's a God who loves you exactly where you are. So that means everything that you've done, everything that you haven't done, everything you've thought, everything you haven't thought, even if you've never valued God before tonight, just hearing this message, you can go, I want to value God more. And guess what that does? That automatically puts God's hand on your life like never before. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. See, our natural way is, like, you show me the money, I'll make it happen. God's like, I'll make it happen, just trust me. And guess what? In my life and in a lot of people's lives in this room, God has always come through for me. It has not been in the ways that I thought, and it's not happened in the timing that I thought, but he's always been faithful, and he's never let me down. Now, there's been times where at a season I've been disappointed because I thought, well, I, God, I thought you would do it a different way, or God, I thought you'd do it by now, or I've been frustrated. But in the end, looking back, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God was there for me, that he loved me, that he cared for me. So how can we trust God more in our life? You know, trust is like a muscle that you have, and the more you exercise it, the more it grows and strengthens. So how can we trust God? Right now, you might have some flabby little biceps of trust. But from tonight on, you can build those puppies up to looking like Arnold, okay? I want trust muscles that look like Arnold. That's what I want. Or Pastor Keith, because they're bigger than my head. Okay, so the first thing is acknowledge that God knows better. When you realize that there's super, supernatural strength available to you from God, your perspective on life will change. Let God be the orchestrator of everything in your life. Once we stop trying to do things in our own strength, God will take over and lift you to new heights. We live in a world where trust must be earned, and it seems like it's in short supply. But Solomon once wrote in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So when you trust in God, not with like a part of your heart, not with what you're comfortable with, but with all your heart, he will direct your path. He will make it straight. You don't even have to like figure it out. You just have to go, God, I trust you. And like, chill. I mean, like, don't like not do anything in your life. But like in that area, you just have to wait. And you have to remind yourself, I'm trusting God. Living the life that God has for us means unlearning some things. We have to unlearn the fact that we feel like we can't trust. That, you know, I don't know how many of you guys in here, but if I was thinking statistics-wise, most of us in here have felt betrayed by a friend or by someone in a relationship. Emotionally, physically, relationally, in whatever way that we can think of, we felt that betrayal before. And somehow we relate it and we think, well, what if that happens with God? It will never happen with God. You might doubt it in a moment because you can't see all the way, but God will never forsake you. He will never leave you. That's what the Bible says. So trusting God fully and completely can be tough because we know what rejection feels like. And sometimes even what seems good at the time or what we think is good, we end up realizing it's not good and we get confused later on in life because we're like, is this good? Is it not good? I'm not sure. Like last time when I did this, it didn't work out. And we think things like, how could I be this attracted to this person and it not be from God? How could I have this much chemistry with this person and it not be from God? We think things like that to justify that we should be with them. And let me give you just two examples of how that doesn't work out. 
Samson and Delilah. I don't know if you've ever heard those names. But God had called Samson to bring deliverance from the Philistines. And his lust for Delilah blinded him spiritually and emotionally. And her lies became something that he believed in. And she was true to her nature. He wanted to believe so badly that she loved him that he gave away his strength and he fell for her deception. Samson's eyes were just like he was blinded in the spirit and emotionally his eyes were physically gouged out by the enemy and he was put as a prisoner and he was humiliated. Eventually God let him overcome himself and the fact of what he was called to do and he was able to die in the process of living his calling. But we don't want to get to that point where our lust takes over so much and our desire and our belief. Like, how do we believe in people more than we believe in God? Like, we want to hold on to a relationship so tight and be like, no, no, it's not what they meant. Yes, they cheated on me 18 times, but they said they're sorry and they love me. You know, the Bible says that you're not supposed to judge people, but you can judge people by their fruit. Meaning, not you're going to hell, but I shouldn't be in a relationship with you. That's what that means. Like, hey, if you've shown me time and time again you're a liar, I should believe that you're a liar and not be aligned with you. Can God forgive you? Can God restore you? Can God redeem you? Yes, but that's not my job. So God's grace is free, but the cost of sin is high. Another one is David and Bathsheba. Most people don't realize this, so David saw a woman across the way who was already married, and he desired her. So he basically had her husband killed in battle so that he could have her. And they ended up having children together. Well, what most people don't know in the story of David, because we hear he's a man after God's own heart, but we don't see the consequences of what he's done, which even if you're a man after God's own heart, you still have consequences for sin. So David and Bathsheba lost their first child because their relationship was born out of sin. Then he lost three other of his sons, after they all turned against him mostly and tried to take over his throne and did. And there's a lot of other family dynamics I can't get into because they're gross and I don't want to talk about them. So there is a cost for sin. So the cool thing is, guess what? Guess how it works with God, just like we see with David. If you repent and you go, God, I don't want to be that way. God, I don't want to live that way. goes away like that. But you might still have consequences for it. That doesn't mean that God's going to hold it over your head, though. So you don't need to live in fear because God's still going to take care of you. We know David as a man after God's own heart, not as a sinner whose sons turned against him and everyone was killed. So that's not going to be the story of your life either. And God's going to come in and restore and rescue you and heal you. So you don't need to be in fear of that. So the second point is put God first in your life. It's easy to put ourselves first. We get like me-centric. I don't know if you've ever really realized that. But we want to like congratulate ourselves with a reward when good things happen. It's like, ooh, treat. And then when something bad happens, we want to console ourselves and find someone else to blame. And the thing that I want to ask you is, are you putting your relationship first over God? Because if you're making time for them and not him, your priorities are out of whack. So many of us, it's so easy to put someone else in a priority, but it's so difficult to put God in the first priority. I don't know why that is. Third, check yourself by God's word. Let's be honest. We aren't so good at evaluating ourselves. We'll go to great lengths to excuse our behavior, our actions, and our sins. Who needs a defense attorney when we could pretty, pretty much find a reason for anything bad that we've ever done? I can always find a reason for why I do stuff. You know, in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
If we're ever going to truly trust God and flee evil, we must know exactly where we stand with God. Where is your heart today? Is it submitted to God? If it's not, I hate to say it, but you're submitting to someone. And if it's not God, who is it? And who is it motivated by? Because there's really two powers here, God and the enemy. So if you're not submitting to God, you're submitting to someone. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke. Sometimes God brings discipline in our life, and he shows us the truth of what we're doing and the consequences, and that's because he loves you. The Bible says God corrects those he loves. If he didn't care about you and he didn't love you, he wouldn't give you a chance to redeem yourself. He wouldn't give you a chance to receive his mercy and grace and love, and he would make you pay the rest of your life for it. Or just go to hell and figure it out yourself. But God loves you so much that literally, like, it, it's not like you have to work your way into it. It literally takes one moment of going, God, I'm sorry. I want to be better. And then it's done. In Psalms 119.11, it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you hide the word of God in your heart, when you get to know the character of God, you not only understand how God works, but when you're faced with situations, you know what to do because you've seen it played out in the Bible. You'd be surprised how many stories and how many examples you could apply to your life and learn from and not have to live it. 2 Timothy 1.14 says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, the Holy Spirit is basically this thing that we've heard about that is like a conscience. And a lot of us can push that voice away. It's that voice that says, like, I don't feel good about this. I shouldn't be around this person. I shouldn't be with him or her. But we push it away. But it, like, comes up. And we're like, where did that come from? And then we, like, push it down. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And the scary thing is you can shut out his voice enough to where you never hear it. But you can get it back. You just have to start listening again. The last point is God will not cheat you out of the best. It's a fact that God will come through for you, but it's going to be in just the right moment. The enemy has been telling, this, telling us the same thing since the beginning. He says, you're missing out. It's not that bad. You'll never know unless you do it yourself. Choose yourself. It can't be that bad. It's all going to be fine. Everyone else is doing it. God's forgotten you. We've all heard these things in our life, but we have to remember God's never late. He always shows up on time. It might not be our timing, but it's the exact timing for what God wants to do in our life. And God's always going to come through. And sometimes we have surrendered certain parts of our life, but there's a lot that we haven't given him. And what I'll tell you is no guy or girl or friend is worth giving up your allegiance to God. They're not worth valuing over God. In Proverbs 3, 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Sometimes the only way to live the life that God wants us to live is separate ourselves from the bad influences that keep distracting us. 2 Timothy 2, says, Flee the evil desires of your youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord of a pure heart. So be with people who value what you value. The good thing is, at young adults, we're going to value what you value. Because we value God. So if you haven't been around the best people or you don't know how to make the right friends or you want to find a great spouse, I can't speak for everybody, but this is probably the best place that you could ever find it is in the house of God. Because we're built and we have the, we have the foundation that's the same. We're going to honor God. You guys are here on a Tuesday night because you want to honor God. Maybe you didn't even realize that. Guess what? God's going to bless you for showing up, for being faithful, for valuing him. He's going to value you. He's going to set you up for success. And, you know, the last thing that I'll just tell you is 
We have this conversation in my family since I was young, and it's this, there's three types of relationships, and this goes across the board. It's friendships, relationships, like dating, all that kind of stuff. So there's reason, season, and lifetime. Reason is some people are in your life for a reason. Season is some people are in your life for a season. And lifetime, others are in your life for a lifetime. And the lifetime part is really rare, but we want to think that everyone's in our life for a lifetime. And we get disappointed when they're not. But if you have these filters in your life, when things don't work out or a friend leaves you or someone betrays you, you can say, well, what was the reason? Well, what was the season? And then when you get those friends of a lifetime, you can cherish them. But what I promise you is those lifetime people will be because you value the same things. And hopefully what you value is God because you're going to end up in a place called heaven and have eternal life and have a lot of great things going for you. So Isaiah 26, 3, I'll leave you with this. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We have to make the choice to trust God with our all and make God more important than what we want right now. If you've ever faced anxiety or panic or depression, the one thing I could tell you that's led you to that is not trusting in God and not focusing on God. If your mind is focused on who God is and what he can do and you get in his word or you at least get into church and get in his presence, start practicing his presence, I promise you those things can't last because they're counterintuitive, they're counterproductive to what God's presence is. They can't stay. So if you're feeling those things, those are real, but that shows you you're at a distance from God because they have power in your life. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna face them. I face those things in my life and sometimes I still battle those, but my answer to those is valuing God, putting my mind on God, getting in his presence, and every single time he wins. So what I wanna tell you in your relationships is value God more than you value a person. And if you're really wanting someone to be in your life, whether it's a friend, relationship, whatever, ask yourself, am I being the kind of person that is attracting what I want? And ask yourself, do we value the same thing? Because so many times we get scared to ask God, God, is this your will? Because we know it's not. And we don't involve God because we want our way over his. And I want to challenge you tonight to don't be scared to ask God to get involved. Don't be scared to ask him if it's his will. Don't be scared to say, God, reveal things. Because when you want what God wants and when you want the best, you want everything to be revealed. You want the truth. Because guess what? Eventually, the truth will come out. And the truth is either going to keep you bound or set you free. And the Bible says when you know the truth, which is God's truth, it'll set you free. But when you know your own truth, it's going to do the opposite. I don't want you to stay frustrated. I don't want you to even go through maybe some of the things that I've been through. So hopefully you've heard my heart tonight. Hopefully you understand where I'm coming from. Because what I've found in my life is that God is way smarter than I am. And so I need to put him in that place and trust him because every time it works out and he's faithful. After the message, I was able to do a live Q&A with questions that people asked during the message. And if you would like to listen to those, they're coming up right now. How much is too much when the female lets herself be available to a guy she likes? Not about posting selfies or photos on social media. So what I will tell you is that God made men to be hunters. And if they can't hunt you, you are not living how God created you. If you are too available, so are all the other girls. Why would they choose you? So I would say it's not playing hard to get. It's understanding that you're quality and you deserve to be pursued and that's how God created it. So while you're not supposed to play games, you shouldn't be just easy to get. Because when you're trying to get a king, 
you should understand that you're royalty and not every peasant gets you. Okay. Okay, so why do you see not so godly people getting married, but I'm still single? Let me tell you something. I will tell you this from experience. Uh, getting married shouldn't be your ultimate goal in life. Getting married, like for those of you that are married, you can attest to this. It's the most wonderful thing and it's the most difficult thing you'll ever do. Um, marriage is a mirror that shows you all your flaws and what you're not. So a lot of times we see Instagram posts and we see movies, mainly girls. Like guys want it for maybe because they want to be holy, biblical aspects of procreation, whatever. But like, but women, like we see the romance and we like want the romance. Like every time I see like a romantic movie, I'm like, Cole, that's us. But it's not. But like, I'm like, yeah, like I have this like thing inside of me. Um, but what I'll tell you with this is anybody can go to a courthouse and get married. But it doesn't necessarily matter that you're married if your marriage doesn't do anything great. So like choosing, anybody can choose somebody. Like there's, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this the right way. Like our generation is so obsessed with um, being with somebody, we, I don't think we necessarily put marriage in the same place that people used to because we think like, why am I gonna buy the cow when I have the milk for free? Um, so we kind of just like live with each other and do what we want with each other and then one day go, we're married, God bless it. But like, I think that we devalue marriage but somehow like we want marriage but we don't realize what you're basically saying is I wanna die to myself every day. I'm not trying to give you like a downer, but what I'm trying to say is when you get married, it should be something that you know you want because every day you have to tell yourself, I'm going to be my best. And it's like the hardest workout physically, emotionally, spiritually that you'll ever have if you're going to actually have a healthy marriage. Pastor Keith said, who cares if you've been married 50 years and you did nothing with your marriage? Like, what does it matter if your marriage has no fruit, but you stayed together? Like, that's what people always say in the world. They're like, we stayed together. We hate each other, though. But we stayed together. Like, the mark of someone being married isn't success. I'm saying that because I've been married twice. I have a joke. My sister's been married longer. I've been married more. So who wins? Just kidding. <laughs> but, like, but for me, all I'll tell you is don't look at somebody on the outside and be like, well, they're finding their person. That doesn't mean that it's God's best, and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's God's will. They might not even be living for God like you said but they're married, that doesn't mean you're successful. Just like if you win the lottery, it doesn't mean you're rich because you can lose it in two days. So if you want like wealth that's gonna last you, it's gonna take some investment and it might take some time. Okay, last one. Okay, how to show real love to a woman and give them the respect they need. Okay, what I'll tell you is number one, <clears throat> no matter how bad you want it, real love's not physical. Um, a lot of times we think, a lot of times we think affection is loving somebody. Loving someone is valuing them and putting them in a place that's like above yourself. Meaning, you value your values more than that person, but when it comes to prioritizing them in a relationship, you're not selfish. So the best way that you can love a woman is don't want your way all the time 
and confuse what I said about valuing, like, well, I value myself over you and whatever and buy. Like, no, you should value your values, which we just talked about one value, which is God. So you should put God before that person. Easy, okay? But, like, you should choose to be selfish, selfless when you can choose to be selfish, and that is loving somebody how they need to be loved. Like, the, the number one temptation, what I'll tell you in a relationship and in a marriage, is to be selfish. And the number one destroyer of a relationship is selfishness. If you want to ruin your marriage or your relationship, be selfish. If you want to win, be selfless. So, like, we have a perfect picture of who Jesus was. And if you're being like him, which the Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. You guys know church people are crazy, right? Like, the most judgmental people in the world are Christians against themselves. Like, legitimately. Like, not even against the world and unchristian, unsaved. We're like, oh, they're not saved yet. It's fine. But I hate this Christian. Like, I have seen so many posts recently about people hating on Joel Osteen. And I know him personally. He's the sweetest man, most godly man, like, I've ever met. I know he's not perfect because he's a human. But people say he's like a snake in the grass. And there's been this thing going around. People have been sending me stuff. And I'm like, you literally are judging someone based on what you think is theologically sound. But yet you probably don't even read your Bible and he's, he's leading more people to God than you ever will in your life, yet you're judging him. Like, to me, I think that's like a pretty good picture of our social media lifestyle, is we like to point the finger and judge and point the finger and say what something is or isn't. So I don't know how I got on the tangent, but all I'll say is be very careful with what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Go to the word of God. Go to what God says about it. And if you can't find an answer, go to a spiritual counselor about it and they can help you see it. Because if you make up your mind that something's true and it's not true, like I said earlier, it's going to keep you bound, not set you free. And you might feel really good about the heat that it brings online, but cowards hide behind screens. That's just true. So I think this is a question about treating a woman, right? <laughs> uh, but we, oh, I was saying perfect example, Jesus. So it says, men love her like Christ loves the church. People are crazy in the church. So even when she's crazy, still love her. Okay. And then it says, women submit to your husbands. Right? Respect him. That's really hard sometimes. So what that means is not like be a slave, but what that means is respect him even when he's being crazy. Don't make him feel stupid. Like love him where he's at and understand as a woman, you might see things differently, and you might be right. But letting him be the man is the best thing you could do. And letting God deal with him, because God can deal with him better than you can. So, the end.
Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Keela Craft Ambrose.